Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. So my name is Russ Brackenbury, and along with my lovely wife, we are the location pastors here in Revelstoke, British Columbia. Uh, height of the highest vertical in North America, Mount Revelstoke, uh, that apparently is uh, not the best skiing this year, but how bad can it be, right? How bad can it really be? Yeah, as a non-skier, I can say that. Uh, So we are in the midst of our review of the year of spiritual formation. So we're taking this whole year, a series of eight different series, uh, talking about different parts of theology. And it it's a scary word, and some people think of it as, you know, oh no, here he goes. Uh, but what we're doing this series is, this four weeks is Christ Unboxed. So Pastor Dave started last week with the Incarnation. And uh, I'm going to do another little part. I'm so excited to actually hear Jasmine next week, because she gets to do the resurrection. Um, I love that. I, I said one of my favorite verses, yeah, I could do it right now. But I, I love that verse in the Gospels, when, when Mary comes to the tomb and the angel says to her, why are you seeking the living among the dead? I love that. The resurrection is just the most powerful thing. I'm excited that Jasmine gets to share that. I'm excited that Easter's coming, and I'm just going to take Jasmine's sermon and reword it a little bit because I get to preach on Easter, and then I don't have to do a lot of work uh, because I'm sure hers will be so good that you'll want to hear it again, and if I do it, then it may not sound familiar, but you know it'll be good still, right? So uh, I want to refer you to the app if you haven't got the app yet. I'm not really a big app guy, but I've come to really appreciate the new app that we have. So if you uh, text the number that you would normally text new to, the little info at the back, and get the app. And part of what's on the app is this series that Pastor Dave is doing called Ask a Theologian. Uh, I listened to the first one this last week. It is fantastic uh, because it's so practical and down to earth. It's 35 minutes, uh, and it's great. It's, if, if I, and I wouldn't change the title, but I, I put a little, little thing beside there. Theology for non-theologians, because he, they just, it's just so well explained. Now, Pastor Day was on with a teacher from a college in Oregon and uh, talking about God, the Trinity, and just unpackaging it, and it was so well done. I'm so excited to hear his next one. Uh, but I would really encourage you to get the app, get on there and listen to that. And all of the, uh, the main services that we're doing are on podcasts, so you can get a chance to listen to, uh, say, if Pastor Josiah is doing the same one that I'm doing today on Covenants, you could actually listen to those podcasts as well. So the goal for the series is that you would learn more about uh, the series that we're doing now is Christ Unboxed. This is message number two. And uh, the goal for the series is that you would learn more about the unique role of Christ in the Trinity. And, you know, they, uh, we were talking a lot about the Trinity in the first four weeks. And there was like all this, like, oh, what does it mean? How do I explain it? How can I put it in words? And, you know, it's okay not to be able to fully explain it. Right? The Bible calls it a mystery. Right? And I think sometimes we want to explain things so bad that we dumb them down more than they need to be, right? So it's okay to partially understand some of the things of the Bible and not fully understand because we're not God, right? We're trying to take this 
infinite being and, and stuff him into this finite box so that we totally understand it. And, you know, that, that's tough for me because I'm one of these, I'm a little bit analytical. Right? I want to understand the ins and outs of everything. Um, and I, I have to be comfortable with the fact that I may not fully understand something. Right? I don't fully understand women, but yet I'm married. Right? So that's a good illustration. You know, 39 years in, I don't fully understand it, but I'm for it. Right? <laughs> so beyond all question, the mystery from which this is, uh, let's turn, we're going to go to 1 Timothy 3.16. So this is the, our foundational scripture for the series. Step to the side. So beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He, this is talking about Jesus, appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and was taken up to glory. So that's our verse that we're concentrating on for the talk about uh, Christology or the, the, of, about Christ. So I want to remind you, and you're going to hear this a lot from me this year, uh, the Bible is the progressive revelation of God. So not everything about God is revealed at the beginning of the book. It's, it's a, currently, it, it, or it expounds God throughout the progression of the book, right? 66 books, making up the Old and the New Testament. So that's why it's always important to consider the Bible in its entirety, because we learn more about God as the Bible progresses. So you actually gain a better understanding of Jesus in the New Testament if you have an understanding of the Old Testament. That's, so I'm going to unbox that for you this morning, how Jesus fulfills covenants of the Old Testament and establishes a new covenant to those who believe in him. So covenant's kind of a word we don't hear very much. Uh, but when you think about the Old Testament and the New Testament, the word testament actually means covenant. So um, now there may be some that are not familiar with the Bible, either in this room or listening on the podcast. So the Old Testament consists of the books of the Bible that were written before the birth of Christ. So it includes like the narrative of creation, uh, the, the development of the Jewish people being called out as the separate people of God, giving of the law to the Jewish people, historical accounts of them as a people, as well as prophecies and poetry. The New Testament, or the New Covenant, focuses on the life of Christ, including his birth, his teachings, his death and resurrection, and then the growth of the early church, the growth and expansion of the early church. So the Old Testament is the foundation, and then the New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And we're going to look at that this morning. And we're going to start by talking about covenants. So what's a covenant? I haven't heard the word before. Well, it's not one that you actually hear a lot about. But a covenant is, I'll tell you what a covenant is not. A covenant is not a contract. So if you think of a contract, so uh, Jovi's going to bring me six eggs a week because that makes them worth more than $20 an egg that they're presently worth, apparently, according to Jesse, because their three chickens aren't really the big laying hens that they want. So Jovi's going to bring me six eggs a week, and for that six eggs, I'm going to give her $5. And we make a contract. But now, hey... Her chickens didn't lay eggs this week. I, is she getting my $5? No, because she didn't fulfill her part of the contract. Or for three weeks, I decided I'm not paying her because, you know, 
well, the eggs really aren't that big. And so she can say, well, I'm not giving you any more eggs because you still owe me $15. So it's a, it's a goods and services kind of deal, right? If you, if you give the goods and services, I'm going to pay you. That's a contract. A covenant, oh, it's, and so with a contract, either party breaks the contract, the contract is void, really. Like, so the contract is broken. But in contrast, a covenant is made to establish or secure a relationship. So marriage is a covenant. Okay, marriage is not a contract. And some people in this age have viewed marriage as a contract. You're going to do this, I'm going to do this, and if you don't fulfill your part of the bargain, I'm out. But a covenant is meant to secure a relationship, right? And so we're going to discover this morning, there's two Old Testament covenants we're going to look at that God established, and we're going to see how Jesus establishes a new covenant by fulfilling the old ones and creating a new one and actually making the old ones, because he's fulfilling them, he's not canceling them, he's fulfilling them, and in his fulfillment of them, they become obsolete. So let's look at first the Abrahamic covenant. So this is about Abraham and God. Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3. So the Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the people of the earth will be blessed for you, but through you. Are you aware that three of the world's greatest religions trace their roots back to Abraham? So we as Christians trace our roots back to Abraham. Uh, the religion of the Jews, Judaism, goes back to Abraham. But also Islam, they would call Abraham one of the that they look to as the founding father of their religion. I thought that was kind of interesting. I never realized that before I did a little bit of research, but it's, it's there. But the one thing I would like to point out about this covenant is it's unilateral. So in this covenant, God's not saying, hey, I'm going to do this and you're going to do this, right? God is just saying, he's calling Abraham aside and he's saying, hey, this is what I'm going to do for you. This is what I'm going to do through you. What does Abraham have to do? Well, according to the scripture there, nothing. God's just promised him these things. He's just, God has come in and said, this is what I'm going to do for you. Uh, I promise to do this. You don't have to do anything in order for me to fulfill the covenant. And it, I thought it was interesting that God's instituting a covenant, covenant that just benefits the people. What's the benefit to God? <laughs> when, you, when you look later on, you think, oh, God bad deal right for god it was a bad deal because you know we're, we're we're the people really worth making that kind of a covenant to you know i think you know if you if i were to make a covenant like that i'd have some expectations well I, you know i'm going to make this covenant that the people are going to be great because they're going to be so thankful that i'm doing this for them and everything's going to be great and they're going to be just the best people ever because i've made the covenant that wasn't the case but God did make a unilateral covenant. So the covenant was done to establish and secure a relationship to God and Abraham with his descendants, and it foreshadows this covenant to come. That Jesus will establish an unending relationship with those who believe in him, which is known as us, the church, but not the building, the people, the people of God. So it's a foreshadowing of what is to come. 
So that's the Abrahamic covenant in a nutshell. And then there's also the Mosaic covenant. So uh, the Mosaic covenant is an outgrowth of the covenant that God made with Abraham. And it was given to Moses on Mount Sinai after God delivered the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. So this is a few hundred years later. Right? So there's been, you know, the generations of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then Jacob's sons end up in Egypt during a famine, and they, they're so um, prosperous that the Egyptian royalty thinks these people are a threat, and then they end up enslaving them, and they've been in slavery for 400 years, and through a series of events, which includes Moses, um, they are saved out of the hands of the Egyptians. And so they're out in the wilderness, and they're at Mount Sinai, uh, and God takes Moses up onto the mountain, and this is what it says. Exodus chapter 19, verses 3 to 6. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me and full, obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. All right. So this is a different kind of covenant because this is bilateral. If you do this, then I will do this. And that, that's just a, a little snapshot of what is to come. Uh, but the depth of the relationship with God will be based on their obedience to God. And that's the law that, that is given by God to the people through Moses. If you read through the Old Testament, uh, so <laughs> the book of Leviticus, it's quite the hall. Right? It has all these laws, all these regulations, you know, uh, your ox gores somebody, this is what you have to do. You're, you kill somebody's donkey, this is what you have to do. Like, there's all these different regulations. Uh, think of the law. Uh, there's the, the, it's not just the sacrificial system. There's all these moral and civil laws that go along with it. But uh, if you read through it, so this, this is given when the, the people of God are first coming out of Egypt. Now, through a series of events uh, and disobedience on the people of Israel, they end up wandering the desert for 40 years. And basically God says that everybody that initially came out of Egypt, that generation is going to pass away in the desert and only the children of those people will go into the promised land. So the book of Deuteronomy is actually basically a repeat of the book of Leviticus because it's being read to another generation, right? So it's becoming new. Well, there is a whole book in Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy 28, and it's, it's known as the book of the covenant blessings and the covenant cursings. Uh, a friend of mine made a song in college called The Covenant Cursing. I will, I will not sing it for you this morning. Uh, but it was blessing for obedience, cursing for disobedience, and the ultimate curse for the children of Israel was for their enemies to drive them off the land. It says that they will go to a nation not known to you or your ancestors, and they will go into captivity. And I, th- I think it was interesting because the people haven't even gone into the land yet. Like, it's being read to them before they enter the promised land. And God is already telling them, basically, I know that you can't do this. At the end of the day, 
you are going to be swept away into captivity by a nation that you, right now you don't even know about. So, um, which I, th I think is a sad statement that it was already, oh, God already knew that it wasn't going to, that all these laws and it wasn't going to be enough. So, um, yeah, 600 laws. So the laws that were laid out in the covenant did not take away sin. So the religious part of the law, it but the law provides a framework for moral, civil, and religious laws, and they're meant to reveal the holiness of God. And that's what they're all about. By giving these laws, it's revealing how holy God is and what they have to accomplish in order to approach God in his holiness. Um, he required his people uh, to be different from the nations around them. So the, the hope was that the, the other nations would see Israel and they would want to be like them. Right? That was the hope, that they were so... Uh, like some of the laws that you see in there, you think, yeah, that's kind of basic. Well, they were still different from the cultures around them. right? And they were... so they were rising up to this standard that the idea was that the other nations were going to see how this holy nation of Israel, and they were going to be like, yeah, we need to be like those people. We need to serve their God. Look at them. You know, It didn't turn out that way because uh, instead, when you read the Old Testament, you see the people of Israel saying, why can't we be other, like other nations? Why can't we have a king? We just want a king like everybody else. We just want to be like everybody else. I'd like to think I wouldn't have been in that group that thought that. I don't know. I don't know. I'm looking at it in hindsight. I wasn't there. But uh, to have God there, and you know, when, when they were wandering in the desert for all those years, there was a physical manifestation in front of them all the time with this pillar of fire or the cloud that moved when, you know, and was over the, this tabernacle, this dwelling place of God. And they had this miraculous food that appeared every morning that they could go out and, and harvest. Every day there was this physical presence of God. And yet somehow it wasn't enough. Oh, what, how could we possibly be any better than that when we don't have the physical presence of God? Right? They had the physical presence of God and still had problems. Right? So in ways that makes me kind of, okay, I'm okay if I have a problem or not, right? I'm, I'm okay. Because I, I haven't seen the physical manifestation of God. You know, I, I believe in the presence of God in my life. I've asked God to come into my life. I've asked Christ to forgive my sins. I've understood all that. But it's still not like having, you know, God there all the time. So, but 600 laws did not have the power to give the people a new life. So the Mosaic Law reveals that there's still the need for a Savior because the law still fell short of forgiveness of sin. Every year they had a thing called the scapegoat and they would, there was a, a process in which they would basically the priests would lay the sins of the people on this goat. There was two goats, one was sacrificed, one had the sins of the people laid on him and then they basically shushed it out of the camp. And then that goat would die in the wilderness either of natural or predator causes. But that was how they dealt with it. But it had to happen every year because there wasn't anything that would satisfy the, the forgiveness of sin. So we have two covenants, the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, and they're both pointing to something that will happen in the future. They point to the need for something new. So let's listen to uh, what Matthew chapter 5, 17 says. 
Do I have, okay. Right, I didn't have that one. So it says, do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So through Jesus, those two covenants were fulfilled, and we call that the New Covenant. So the New Testament, the New Covenant. So let's look, it's interesting that we're talking about the New Covenant, but the New Covenant was prophesied by Jeremiah hundreds of years before. So let's look at Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 34. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and the people of Judah. Okay, stop there for just a second. So, uh, Jeremiah is prophesying this in a time when the kingdom is split, north and south. So, Israel in the north, the ten tribes of Israel, Judah in the south. Uh, they've had, they've walked, basically walked away from God. There's still a system in place, but it's more of a form without meaning. And, and there's, uh, if you read through the the books before the prophets that talks a lot about the different kings that come in. And it's basically saying one king did worse than the other kings and none of them had a heart after God. The long and the, the, the short story of it. All right, so let's keep going. Uh, I will, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. Okay, stop there for a sec. So they broke the covenant. So remember, that was a bilateral covenant, the one that was given to Moses. So God promised that if, if the people obeyed, there would be blessing. If they disobeyed, there would be cursing, which led to them being stripped from the land. Okay, so they, they broke the covenant, although God was walking with them, so he's, he was a husband to them, declares the Lord. Okay, we'll keep going. This covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. So that, that is a huge thing right there, just that last sentence. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Because up until the coming of Christ, the sins were not really forgiven. They were just kind of covered over, right? But there was this annual reminder of them through the religious ceremonies that they were just covered over. There was no real forgiveness of sin. But, you know, we, uh, we do communion on a regular basis here, usually, typically the first Sunday of the month. And this is a familiar verse during that. So Luke 22, verse 20, says that after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So the new covenant came by the giving of Christ's blood. The new covenant is the promise that God will forgive sins and restore relationships with those whose hearts are turned towards him and accept and believe what Christ came to this earth to do. So not only are the old covenants fulfilled, so Hebrews 8.13 declares that by calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. So uh, that's why, as, a, as Christians, we believe that at that moment when Christ gave up his life on the cross, we don't have to sacrifice animals anymore. Right? If you're a sheep, you're safe now. Yeah. Um, 
because that was supposed to be the one the last and final sacrifice. Hebrews 10 chapter or Hebrews chapter 10 verses 1 to 3. So the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming. So okay, so there's the law, 613-ish. Uh, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, made perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once, and once for all and would no longer feel guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. Okay, an annual reminder. It's like, oh, I just, I picture the guilt of that, right? Every year being reminded that you're, it, you just can't do it. You just can't do it. But Christ came to, to make that law obsolete. So um, in the beginning of the book of John, so we, we read it last week, I believe Pastor Dave alluded to it in his message, um, the word became flesh, right? In the beginning was the word, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I love that. God, once again, walking among his people, right? In a physical form. We, we talked about it at our, our midweek, like, oh, how do you, there's fully God and fully man. And what does it mean that he emptied himself, but yet he was full? And there's all these things that we talked about. And again, do we fully understand it? No, but it's okay. It's okay that we don't fully understand it. But we need to grasp that, that Christ manifested, which was he was fully God, and yet through a miracle, he became fully man and walked the earth, right? And um, John, who was Jesus' cousin, which was a few months older than Jesus, he had already been baptizing people in the river, and he was baptizing the people um, like basically saying, come on, you guys, the kingdom of God is at hand. We're baptizing you for the repentance of sin. And, but he knew, he said in one verse that like, there's one who's coming that I'm not worthy to tie his sandals. And then so John's down there baptizing and in, in chapter 29 of John chapter 1, it says this, that the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's such a profound statement that John recognized then that Jesus was going to be the lamb, the final, ultimate sacrifice. And that, uh, that is really the new covenant that when Christ came to earth and, you know, like, oh, yay, we have, we have Christmas to celebrate the birth of Christ, uh, which is not a bad thing, right? I'm not, I'll never be down on Christmas, but we needed that to have the incarnation, to have the birth of Christ, because that would ultimately lead to his, his sacrificial death and resurrection. Right? If we wouldn't have had that miraculous birth, we'd have never had the death and resurrection, which is what it was really all about. And so I'm always much more excited about Easter than I am about Christmas, because it's the, res the death and resurrection of Christ that make my faith real. Yeah. Right? That's what it's all about. Not just about believing that Christ came to earth, but that he, he died in my place. And that was what the new covenant was, that no longer 
that every year and every time something happened, you had to go to the temple and sacrifice a, you know, there was this whole list of the grain and birds and sheep and goats and cattle and I, I don't know how you could even keep track of it all, you know, but it was just a covering. It just, it never made it, made it full. It never, it never was that, oh God, I'm forgiven that, you know, my sins are remembered no more, right? The, the psalmist says that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far, our, you know, that's the depth of the forgiveness of God, right? That's how far our sin has been separated from us. And I would rather have that than an annual reminder. Now, does it mean that I'm perfect? No, it does not. Because I am, I am fully human, right? I am fully human and I make mistakes. But I also believe that it's, we have, as people, we need to be quick to repent when we know that we've made a mistake and we've sinned. We can go to God and ask for forgiveness because we have the, the methodology has been already put in place for the forgiveness of sin. That we don't have to go to God and make a, you know, a sacrifice of, a, of an animal or something to, to cover over that sin. We can go and actually ask for forgiveness and, and have it be forgiven, withdrawn. Right? He doesn't remember their sins anymore. So that's the new covenant. And, you know, I, it's important to me that, you know, in, in this place, and, you know, there will be those listening on the podcast, uh, I, don't, I don't pretend to know everybody's heart. But I never want to, you know, we're talking about the new covenant, and we're talking about the forgiveness that God has for us through that miracle of Christ and his sacrificial death, um, that his blood being spilled for us, that we could never do it on our own. And that was the point of, the, of Christ's coming, that we were not able to do it on our own. And that he came once and for all to forgive the sins of man, not just for then, but forever. Right? For my sins today, for your sins today, for your sins tomorrow. Right? For the next generation, for our kids, for our grandchildren. That same blood of Christ, the same sacrifice is still going to be in effect until the time comes when Christ comes back again, right? Those, that forgiveness is still there. And so I would feel uh, neglectful if I didn't give people an opportunity to respond to that. So I just want everybody to, to just close your eyes for a minute where you are. And if... Uh, you're listening on the podcast, I would encourage you to do the same. Just sit quietly and close your eyes and contemplate and understand this morning what Christ has done for you through the giving of a new covenant. That he came to shed his blood for mankind. Yes, and I understood that even as a child, that Jesus died for the sins of man. But nobody ever challenged me that I needed to... um, Put some, put some skin in the game myself and actually ask for forgiveness and understand that it wasn't just for mankind, but it was for me today and it could make a difference in the rest of my life, right? It, it could make a difference in the rest of my life. And so if that is, uh, if you this morning have, have contemplated the fact that, yeah, you know, I, I believe in Jesus, uh, but you've never said, yeah, you know, I, I need to ask for his forgiveness personally, I need to make a stand for Jesus personally and ask him to forgive my sins and become part of my life. I want to encourage you to take that step this morning. 
make the step. It will, um, I can't promise you that it won't be a difficult life ahead, but your life is already difficult, right? But at least it gives you something that will help handle those difficulties in your life. Jesus said that in this, in this world, you will have trouble, but to take heart, I have overcome the world. And so we need to start there. So if, if that is you sitting in the congregation here this morning, uh, I would just encourage you to slip up your hand and say, yeah, Russ, that, that's me. And would you pray for me this morning? And if you're listening online, I, I encourage you to make that, that same move to lift your hand and say, yeah, you know, Russ, I, could, I need that myself. So Father, I thank you this morning that Jesus came to earth and that he gave his blood for the sins of man, that we could be forgiven, not just a glossed over, but forgiven, and that our lives would be new in Christ, that old things would pass away and that all things would become new. And I'm so grateful, God, for the new life that I have in Christ and that you can be new every day, that you have a lifetime ahead for us, that it's just the adventure of living for you. And so, Father, I, I pray for these people that are seated here this morning, for those who may be listening on the podcast. God, I just pray that you would just be so real in their lives. God, that they would understand the depths that you have gone through to ensure relationship with us as your children. I thank you, God, for who you are in our lives, that you care for us and that you love us so very much. We love you too, God. We love you. We're so grateful for what you have done in our lives. Amen. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.